Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is a brand new edition of Flyers Daily. It is a Monday edition. We're going to dip into the top 10 biggest question mark heading into the 23-24 season. And we got some other housekeeping things to take care of with our Monday guest. He joins us every Monday. You read his work on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, on NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com as well. Great dialogue and great information there. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing well. Um, about to tick down to the final month, you know, soon. Yeah. Soon, and, uh, you know, some other stuff along the way. And this week to come, the uh, Flyers Alumni Fantasy Camp is, is the end of this week. That's all. That's always a great time. So, uh, you know, slowly but surely hockey's getting here. Yeah, I can't spend enough time in a hockey rink right now with this. I've reached the breaking point of summer and humidity, and I need to shave. Uh, I need to get going here again. But let's start here, Bill, because there was a deal that was consummated in the past week. Flyers acquired the rights to Massimo Rizzo, a fifth-round selection in the 25 NHL draft as well from the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for the rights to David Kasha. Is it David Kasha? Kasha. Is that how we say his name? Yeah, Kasha. And Kasha. So they make this deal um, and it kind of like raised an eyebrow through through a lot of the fan base. What's your thoughts on the deal? And, you know, what does it mean? Well, uh, the the Rizzo's name have been tied to the Flyers during the whole um, Tony uh, Tony D'Angelo saga. Um, So obviously the the Flyers see something there. There's a level of interest. Um, You know, I mean, Kasha's been at home in uh, Czechia, Czech Republic, the last couple of seasons. I don't know if he's coming back. He, uh, remember, his brother Andre played in the NHL, and actually, uh, David scored his first NHL, first and only NHL goal uh, in Philly. Ed, uh, Anaheim was in town. Their parents were in town. Yeah, and it was a strange time too, just when all that stuff was going down with Oscar Lindblom and the cancer diagnosis. And I, and you know, I, I remember. I remember there was, there was just a certain poignancy to it. You know, Oscar's dad was in town for a whole different reason than, uh, than, than David Andre's parents were in town. And, you know, that, that, that really struck me at that time, you know, for, for a while, I thought, I thought David might stick as a bottom six forward, in the NHL. He just never really progressed to the level where he really advanced beyond the, the AHL. He was more of a, a, a guy you might call up for a couple of games, the NHL level. Um, during the Ron Hexall regime, Hexy, Hexy loved the kid. It just didn't really, it didn't, it didn't pan out. Um, I don't think he'd suddenly be coming back to North America. Uh, now meanwhile, with, with Rizzo, he was a teammate for a year with Bobby Brink at Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, late bloomer. He didn't, he didn't start college till age 20. He played in the BCHL. And, uh, was a late bloomer, you know, kind of each step, each step along the way. He, he's become a, a very good collegiate offensive player, a little bit on the smaller side, and not the best skater you'll you'll see, but he he has good hands, good offensive anticipation, a good collegiate player with a chance to be a pro. Now whether that'll be AHL or NHL, we'll see. I don't know. Um, it looks like he's going to play his junior year um, at Denver. And then I believe, I'm not positive, but I believe he, he'd fall into the same category uh, where Y Clinic fell, where, you know, he, he's, a, he's a potential free agent next summer, yeah. um, if, if that's the case. 
but there's definitely seems to be interest from Flyers, and and there's a there's a skill level there. So we'll, we'll see how it goes over the next year. If, if the worst case scenario is get a fifth round pick for really for nothing, yeah, Kasha wasn't coming back over, yeah. and uh, you know, and and then maybe you know maybe get more than that. If Rizzo turns pro after this year and and um, bring something to either the Phantoms and or the Flyers. So it, it'll be interesting to follow. Um, you know, it's all, always he's he's kind of an entertaining player just because he's one of those small, high skill guys. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, and so you just you just file to wait and see. I mean, he's uh, he's not the guy you're necessarily developing for the long term. Uh, he's already 22. He'll be 23 by the time he starts playing the, the pro game. But uh, you know, you, you never know. And um, you know, again, there had to have been a level of interest because. Uh, the D'Angelo situation ended up as a buyout, but yet they, they went out and then they, they found a way to acquire Rizzo anyway. Flyers have this history of grabbing these collegiate guys. Like you go way back to, you know, Bemidji State and Matt Reed, right? Yeah. And comes into that camp that year and going, this guy's got a chance to make team. Everybody's kind of going, who? You know, and he had a pretty damn good NHL career. <laughs> Matt Reed did. He had some very productive years for sure. Um, second thing on the list uh, for tonight, Bill, you know, we get to the trade there. And the second thing you want to talk about is the NHL Network's top 50 prospects. And we know, you know, we read it on social media. Oh, Flyers have, you know, no high-end talent. And, you know, they draft Meechkoff at seventh overall. That certainly helps. Heath, he's fourth on the top 50 prospects, uh, according to NHL Network right now, fronted by Bedard, Fantilli, and Leo Carlson. It's Meechkoff, Luke Hughes, Luke, Logan Cooley. Um, Nemec, Juracek, uh, then Cutter Gauthier, also in the top 10 at number nine, and Will Smith at number 10. And then all the way down, you've got also Tyson Forster in there at 49, He's breaking into this list for the first time. What did you think of the top 50 list that the NHL Network put together? Was it pretty comprehensive? Dvorsky, you know, 31, and there's some obviously some big-name players in here. Yeah, and, and a lot of times what struck me with the list was there were a lot of guys who were just drafted in, in 23. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times this kind of skew more towards a, a one draft previously. Draft guys plus the, one, yeah. yeah the, draft, the draft plus one guys, you're going to draft plus two, uh, or guys who are just about an NHL ready. So that, that speaks to just how highly talented this past draft was and, and in terms of forward talent. Um, you know, you, you do have a few defensemen on the list, but as you'll often see, you know, forwards are a little bit easier to project. And you do have a guy like Juracek on the list. Um, you know, the the best things with these lists are to file them away and look back at them five years ago and how well how well did that age, you yeah. know? Um, I, I remember, I don't know if it was NHL now. I think it was, you know, I think it was the, uh, the Hockey News Future Watch issue. And th- this is right after Giroux was coming off of that monstrous uh playoffs in the Quebec league where he had something like 56 points in 19 games and he didn't crack their top 20, you know, that, that year he was, I think in the top 25 kind of range, but you know, so you, you look back and, you know, you look back in a few years, take it with a grain of salt and, and see, uh, see who they were right about and who they, they underrated. 
Yeah, I have a feeling Giroux carried that with him for a number of years as well. <laughs> you yeah, know, no that's the way G was for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll look back in, in five years and we'll go, wow, how'd they have this guy that high? Or why yeah. why was this guy in the 30s? And look where he is now. It's uh, Development is one of those inexact sciences. Bill, let's get to uh, three of our top 10 questions for the 2023-24 season for the Flyers. We touched on three last week. And the first one I wrote when I wrote this list this year um, was one that we really can't answer, but we also can't under estimate or underscore the importance of this question mark or dual question mark, if you will. And it's the health of Sean Couturier and Cam Atkinson. You know, if they're healthy and available, what's their level of play? Are they 75, 80, 100% of what they were prior? How long does it take them to get back to their peak capabilities at this point in their career? And what are those peak capabilities? But the thing is, you can't overlook this one because Couturier is obviously in that contract extension and hasn't played since December of 2021. And Cam Atkinson is, is a leader on this team, a guy who has scored 42 goals in the NHL under John Tortorella with Columbus and can provide a lot to this team. But uh, th those probably are the two biggest question marks, and there's no answer other than time. No, for sure. And, uh, I mean, it's something that we have to hope is still unanswered going into the season, um, you know, because – the, the alternative to that is when gets hurt again in the preseason. And, yeah. you know, and the last thing we want is that cycle. Oh, well, you know, we, we hope he can open the season, you know, day to day, week, month to month. That whole song and dance that you say, you know. So I, I hope, uh, I hope where, as the season begins, we're in, uh, well, so far, so good mode. Yeah. And we'll see. It, it's going to take both of them sometime even if they are healthy to work up to the level we'll, we'll kind of see you know, how, what their capabilities are now you know when um Couturier got injured or before he got injured um it's already two seasons ago but it's easy to forget that he started that season with 12 points of the first 10 games so he was yeah. still a high level player and then the injuries set in and he tried to play through it and, and couldn't and hasn't played since then so that's, uh, you know, I mean, in an ideal world, honestly, Jason, I'd like to see over the next couple of years, you know, this year, this year even too, other guys step up and take a little bit of pressure off of Gatorier. I, I think that's why in the in the short term, it's a really good situation with Noah Cates. If you know Cates can take some of those tough matchups, at least at, least at first, as Gatorier is working his way back. Um, and... How much of the offensive load can you can you expect those guys to to shoulder? Um, and and where you know, I, I think Couturier going into the season is still your your at least on paper number one center. Yeah, um, but but we'll see how the, we'll see how the workload divides. I don't know where you put uh, where you put Atkinson right now. Second line, third line, I, I don't know. Um, yeah. So the, the, the those are I mean some of it will be dictated by the players. Some of it will be dictated by the how the depth seems to be shaking up and, and, and what do you, know, what you look at going into the season? Um, I think Atkinson, no matter what, is just going to get his fair share of power play time still. Yep. And probably, probably as he gets healthy back in the PK again, too, that that's an area where the Flyers definitely need help. And the good news, I guess, is that both Couturier and Atkinson, if reasonably healthy, can contribute in the PK. 
not, not to mention Couturier in the faceoff circle. I think the really interesting element to this one is kind of the juxtaposition of what the two players have been through in the last year. You know, Atkinson was practicing. I remember he got a, a big physical confrontation, not a confrontation, but physical board battle with Rasmus Ristolainen, and he was looked like he was ticketed to come back any day. Yeah. And then obviously the frustrations in diagnosing the, the particular injury that he had. And then for Couturier, working his rear end off to get into some games last year, ultimately uh, they opted um, that the risk was not worth the reward in that situation. I know Cooch was disappointed in that because he wanted to get back out there and head into the summer knowing he could handle the, the grind of an NHL game again since it's been so long. Uh, but that juxtaposition, I think, is, is a big element going in here as well. So um, certainly something to keep an eye on. And, and I think those two players, Bill, kind of lead us into this next question uh, that I have about this team. Because last year, you know, it was about the standard with John Tortorella and accountability. And even if you were going to lose games, you weren't going to go, you weren't going to go away, you know, sheepishly. You were going to know you played the Flyers. And they competed. You know, most nights, you know, they competed and they competed hard and they competed to the end, but you're now in year two. And if you're not a team that's ticketed for a playoffs, that can wear on it on an athlete that has, you know, insane competitiveness, you know, will the team continue to compete like they did last season it, when, or if they fall out of the playoff chase and, you know, the additions of Atkinson and Conturia, I think can stem that tide to some degree because they didn't play last year. And they provide, obviously, leadership and, and very key minutes and skill sets. For sure. And, and um, you know, I, I think that can help, particularly early in the season. Yep. You know, and, and then we'll, we'll see how things go as, you know, the, the grind sets in in the season. Um, last season, you know, it was really it was really November and February that killed the season. Yep. Um, you know, the Flyers actually – and the Flyers even – kind of bounced back a little bit from that, that really awful November. And, and they got to the all-star break at the end of January at hockey 500. And that was a climb to get there. And then the bottom dropped out again in February. Um, I, I don't even count April. I mean, the Flyers were losing games in April and they won their final two. When they really kind of almost didn't, you know, behoove them to win those games, but they, they did win their final two games. And, uh, you know, of course, it all it all worked out because they got Mitchkov at number seven. So it, uh, you know, all all that hand wringing ended up being for nothing. But um, but uh, yeah, I, but the team the team did hang in. They did compete. They were, you know, they just were, you know, they they just didn't have the real high end guys to enough of them to to compete with. Too hard to score. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. exactly too too much work to score and still still. Especially after, because you know, Carter Hart carried the the load early on, almost single handedly at times. Yeah. Um, you know, it it got to again where the goal the team goals against was too high. It was too hard to score goals. Um, I don't think those things will miraculously get better this year. Um, I hopefully they'll score a little bit more. I and I I think they hopefully should as the season goes along. But Still worried less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But can they prevent less and. On paper, they on paper that's a major question mark, you know, and that's um, when you go in, you know, when you go into games knowing regularly you're, you might have to score five to win, just because of how much you give up. That's a that's a hard 
you know, that's a hard burden to carry through a season. Um, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if the Flyers' goals against us in the high threes. Yeah. You know, and that's uh, that, that's hard. That's hard to carry through a season. It's hard to it's hard to stay competitive that way. Um, so yeah, I I do think that Couturier, who's absolutely a true pro, and and uh, Atkinson, who's you know, also a true pro, that helps. But I think that's a that's a fair question, and I really want to see after the All Star break again how you carry that through to the end of the season as the trade deadline approaches, um, as you may be looking at, you know, again, where you're, where you're going to be drafting versus, you know, you, can you, can you pick off some games down the stretch? Um, you know, and, and every, every single season with a coach, it's a, it's a new challenge in a way, but I mean, there's a reason why every coach has a shelf life. Uh, I, I do think everybody bought in last year. I think they'll come in buying, buying in. Uh, do you sustain that for whole season? Well, that that seems that seems to be the, uh, you know, the the game plan. But you know, I, I I don't think there's anybody being tabbed, you know, as towards the successor anytime in the near future. So I think the I think the thought process is they can continue to to build that identity, that standard, as as Torts likes to call it. Um, Honestly, continuing to do that to me is one of the big things of the season they have to accomplish. Yeah. The record is not the record is not as important as continuing to build a competitive team. And you know, talk all you want about uh, about draft position, whenever that kind of works itself out. Honestly, based on how it goes in first season, but I, I think that I think that continuing to build the mentality of a team that competes. Um, and not taking a step backwards in that area, that's that to me is crucial. As as you take the next baby steps forward in a rebuild, I, I want to, uh, you know, when we do this this time next year, I'm hoping we're talking about how the team took the team, you know, the team was still hard to play against, win or lose, and that that I think uh, that needs to be a major objective. And it, it's hard to answer until you see how the season progresses, and and uh, you know they they also traded they also. You know they've also traded away some some key pieces here, so yep. um, we'll see we'll see how that's replaced, how the leadership group emerges, uh, things we can't answer now. Hopefully, hopefully is answered in a positive way. Yeah, you know the, one of the things that I think will be interesting to watch too in Danny Briere's for, first full season. I always think it's important when when you're looking for something to to a DNA element to a team. It's good to have had that element to know what to look for. Yeah. Danny Breer had the element of very good NHL regular season player, excellent postseason clutch performer. I think it's always easier to find that when you've had that. I think like it, whether you were an athlete growing up and you played and maybe you weren't a big time performer in the big situations, Danny was. I think having having been that can help him find that if that makes sense. I got to ask him about that next time I get him on. And speaking of the D too, Mark Stahl is going to join us coming up on Wednesday's episode. But, you know, one of the things that we talked about Couturier and Atkinson and how that, you know, influx into the group will change the dynamic. Also young guys can change the dynamic. You know, I, it's always good to have a lot of competition in camp guys knocking on the door, doing everything they can to earn it. 
which brings us to our last one that we'll get to of the Flyers' top 10 biggest question marks in this episode. And it's who makes this team out of training camp. You know, we've seen some some of these guys. We've seen Denoye. He's made his NHL debut. Tyson Forster got, what, nine games last year. We haven't seen Emil Andre yet in the NHL. We saw him in the AHL. Lappy loved him. We saw him at prospect camp and in development camp and looked very good. Who makes this team out of training camp? I think is a big question. And that's one of those things where you inject more youth. And, you know, these three players that I mentioned, it could be it could be somebody else. It could be Ole Lixell that makes the team out of camp. Um, but a guy like Forster, who has got that booming shot, can help you on the power play. They're a team that struggles to score goals. It's particularly just, you know, a guy that can just rip it and beat a goalie. He brings that. Denoy is probably more of a bottom six guy. But, I mean, look, set a Phantoms record for scoring as a rookie. And Emil Andre stretches the ice, moves extremely well. I mean, when you look at who's going to make this team out of camp, but those are three names that I think would probably be at the top of just about everybody's list. For sure. And maybe Hattered in there too. I think he's more maybe, taking yeah. to start in the AHL, but yeah, possibly. And then, you know, on the defensive side, I mean, Zamula would have to go through waivers. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of, this is kind of do or die time, whereas guys who, are not are still waiver exempt, you know. If they have a, a little bit of a slow camp, it's not the end. It's not the end of the world, you know. If, if uh, I, I think we do sometimes put a little too much into into camp because by the by the end of the season, it, it almost always looks different. Yeah, like you know, York. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, York is a great example. Had a, had a rough camp, ended up having a pretty darn good, you know, NHL season um, when, when he did come up. Um, you know, other guys. I mean, Lixell, if you remember, he was one of the big stories in camp last year. Um, and, he, <laughs> and, and, he, and he has a history of being a quick starter. So, you know, and, and some, some guys do that. And and uh, he did well in the American League. Didn't really find a, a footing in the NHL. They you know, had a couple of opportunities. So I, I think it's important to reward guys that stand out, but not to uh, – you know, not not to close the book prematurely on the guy if, if it takes a little bit of time for him to get going. Um, I, I do think it's important, though, particularly with young players. You you want to see them get off on the right foot. Yep. Um, I, I think Forster has a does a legitimate shot at the team. Um, you know, uh, I I if I had to handicap it, I would say that uh, Bobby Brink will more likely start with the Phantoms. But mm-hmm. but say, say Brink goes you know, goes on a heater in camp and just. Uh, puts up a bunch of points in a few games. Yeah, maybe he maybe he's the guy who could step up as a dark horse and, and win a spot to start the season. Then then you're in a battle to keep it. Um, hopefully, hopefully the competition drives guys to have good camps. Um, you know, and then and, and that competition that you know it starts it starts early on and it starts and some of the competition is, is with themselves. I mean, you know, I, I think everybody knows what Camp Torts is about, particularly the, the skating in the first couple of days of camp. You know, right, right against, you know, right away, you're competing against yourself mentally, and then and uh, testing, you know, testing what your off off season um, regimen uh, uh, was was like because you can't hide. Yeah, and you'll find out right away. <laughs> you, you find out right away, and and he doesn't cut guys. I mean, he doesn't cut much slack. No. Um, towards, accountability too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Torch really, really does not care about preseason record either. Nope. So. Uh, he's going to look at the guys he wants to look at. If you are on the bubble, you, you'll know because probably because they could be playing a lot. 
And that you know, all you can ask for is that opportunity. And then, you know, it, it whether you take advantage of it or not is it, ultimately on the player. But guys will have opportunities. They had opportunities last year, um, and and there'll be players that have opportunities this year. And inevitably, there are, there are also guys who you come in penciling them in, and all of a sudden you find maybe find them in the bubble a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, so that's uh, you know. Uh, like, like Ryan Poling, for example, and I, I think he'll start the season as the fourth line center, but that's not in the bag. You know, yeah. he, he's gonna you're gonna have to perform a little bit at camp and and show that he belongs in the lineup. Otherwise, you only have a one year commitment to him anyway. So, you know, I I think if Denoye knocks the door down, then he earns, the it, he earns it. Yeah, if he if he earns it, he earns it. And you know, he he held his own in his NHL games last year. I thought particularly. Yeah first two games so you know they, they like him as a two-way guy a guy who could kill penalties yeah that's a guy who could come in and, and all of a sudden he's starting opening night yeah so uh, i i think that you know th- those battles are, are really important um and one thing that i think is, is goes hand in hand with that is that the flyers bottom six in the lineup particularly the fourth line in, in recent years has been a bit, bit of patchwork they might actually have a viable fourth line going into yeah. the season. So it's, it's It'd be nice. tough. Hathaway, yeah. Nick Delarier, either Ryan uh, Bailing or Denoye, one of those guys. Yeah. I mean, you got those Hathaway and you know Delarier out there. That could really help a young player like Denoye as well to fit into that role and feel certainly feel protected. <laughs> oh, oh, for sure, for sure, and 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 you know the. Uh, you know, the, the veterans they brought in, I, Hath, Hathaway is going to be a, a good good part of the leadership group too. I agree. And, and, just, uh, and just, you know, just the work ethic and the attitude that he brings. He, he's, a, he, he's a pain in the butt to play against. And yeah. you, you like him better on your side than, than the other side. So I, I think that's, a, you know, that, that, that's a nice veteran piece they added um, for, for two seasons. You know, maybe, maybe a year from now uh, he gets moved on somewhere else. Maybe at the towards the deadline this year, Stahl gets moved somewhere else. But but these you know sometimes these guys that are veterans that aren't are, are there for a year, two years, they can make they make more impact than you might think, and just in terms of how they they rub off on, on other players. So that's uh, that's part of the plan at least. Yeah, if you, anybody missed, I had uh, Garnet Hathaway on a couple of weeks back. Go back into your podcast queue and get to know Garnet Hathaway. He is a good man. Like, he's a good dude. I can see why he's a beloved teammate. And then um, if you missed last week, Cal Peterson, too. We got to meet Cal last week, have a good conversation with him. And we'll have a great conversation with Mark Stahl. Uh, I'm going to actually have it tomorrow, Tuesday, and uh, everybody will hear it on Wednesday. So looking forward to that as well. Great stuff as always, Bill. We've covered a lot of turf once again. Rebuilds work at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. We'll join you Wednesday for another brand-new edition of Flyers Daily with our special guest, Mark Saul. Uh, signed that one-year contract uh, just a few weeks back, and he'll join us on Monday's brand-new – or Wednesday's brand-new Flyers Daily. Have a great day, everybody. Have a great day, everybody.